Well, I have uh, an important message today and one that I wish I'd got my head wrapped around earlier in my journey. Um, and I think this is going to be helpful for all believers, no matter whether you're brand new on the journey, you've been doing it for a long time. In fact, I've needed this reminder this week specifically. It's interesting to me. I almost can know uh, with, within certain themes and elements what I'm going to face the week I preach. I can pretty much tell you if I'm preaching on this, there's going to be some of these things happen in my life. And that's been the case this week. And this message has really encouraged me as, I, as we're, me and my family are going through some things. And I, I, this has been a, a huge thing for me. And I hope it is for you too, regardless of where you are in your journey. I hope to empower and equip you. But specifically, I want to help and talk to some of you who are brand new at this journey of following Jesus. Uh, some of the 51 people who last week decided to follow Jesus or today as we close our service in celebration of baptism. Uh, we have people in all of our services all weekend long being baptized and we're so excited to celebrate with them, amen? And so even as they are being baptized, baptism is a picture of an, it's an outward declaration and expression. It's a, it's a public declaration of the faith that we have in Jesus, where we are buried in his death, where our, our old self dies in him and a new, new creation rises in Christ. That's what baptism represents. So when you see people be baptized, that's the picture that baptism is meant to paint for us. Uh, but it, it also serves for the individual as a moment in time where they went public with their faith and it becomes kind of like a stake in the ground moment it's a vow and it's a it's time you go public before God where you you tell the world that hey I'm following him I love him he loves me we're together forever uh, it's, it's not so unlike a wedding ceremony a wedding ceremony where two people come together before their friends and family and witnesses and they say hey I take you and you take me and we're going to do this before God uh, for the rest of our lives as we take these vows uh, the baptism is very similar to that that's what this day is to represent and I'll just put a little plug in and plant a seed for some of you who have not been baptized yet and you've been a believer for a long time, uh, you need to take that step. It's time to go public. Christianity is a personal thing, but it is not a private thing. And Jesus said, believe and be baptized. Those are, that was actually a commandment. So some of you need to do that today. You need to literally walk down the aisle and take your vows and put a ring on it. That's what you got to do. So if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. That's what, that's what baptism is. So some of you need to do that today. Uh, but how many of you know this? Those of you who are married or have been married, you, you know that a wedding ceremony and a marriage are two very different things. Yes, the married people know what I'm talking about. Standing in front of your friends and family and having, uh, you know, taking your vows and having a celebration and a ceremony is very different than the actual marriage that's going to play out from this day forward, isn't it? And the things that uh, you find out very quickly when you get married is there's a lot of things you didn't know you didn't know. And there's some things that you're saying I do to that you didn't know you were saying I do to. Like you thought it meant this, but your expectations were a little bit off. And really, depending on your first year of marriage and how clear your expectations were, there's kind of a big adjustment period where reality sets in. And for a lot of marriages, a lot of marriages fall apart because of bad expectations, Bad communication and bad expectations where you're kind of hit with the reality uh, that, that's not quite what you had hoped it would be. And for me, in my marriage with my wife, we had an adjustment period there in our first year where I had expectations that, hey, we were going to do this every day. And you get your mind out of the gutter. 
and she would never ever do this, and we would always, it would always be like this, and then you have, you have this expectation kind of clash with reality, and I've found this to be true in my life, whether it's marriage, whether it's career, whether it's kids, whether, no matter what it is, that your, that your expectation minus reality, you are left with your level of contentment and satisfaction. That the gap between your expectations and your reality actually kind of is that life zone of how happy or satisfied or dissatisfied and discouraged you are. We find that in marriages. You find that when you have kids. It actually goes to a whole nother level when you have kids, isn't it? There's expectation and there's that reality and the adjustment period. I remember when we were pregnant for Ava. Uh, she's about to turn 11. And I remember like us, the, the, the delusional things we were saying. Right, like, oh, we're gonna bring her into our world, and I'm gonna, we're gonna like do cloth diapers only, and be enviro friendly, and we're gonna like, we're not, we're gonna invite her into our world. She's gonna be on our schedule, and we're gonna, we're gonna like let her join us. And like, anybody ever heard parents talking like that? And you're just like, yeah, that's great, good. I'm impressed. This is gonna be fun to watch, right? And then the baby, the baby comes, and all of a sudden, like, you are sleep deprived, and you don't care. Give me the cheap Costco diapers that are gonna, they're gonna be here in 40,000 years in a landfill, I don't care, just put it on the kid, and I just get, anyway, expectation and reality. A lot of frustration and discouragement and disappointment can happen because you had poor expectations and no one clarified what this is actually gonna be like or it didn't settle in, and I actually see that play itself out, not just in family, not just in marriage, not just in your career, not just in your life choices, but it specifically often plays out in people who follow Jesus. I see it often where people will come in and they'll have an experience with God and it is real. You'll get in an environment and the spirit of God works on you and you, 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 you muster up the courage and the faith to say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm in, I'm in. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I don't know totally what it means. I just know I'm gonna be a Christian now. I need that grace. You know, the preacher got up last weekend and said, hey, Jesus died for my sins and I'm forgiven when I put my faith in him and he rose for my life and I'm gonna have new and true and eternal life if I follow him, I'm in. I'm gonna be a Jesus follower. And for a while, you come to church and you get an environment like this and it feels so good and you're just, you're just swimming in grace. You feel the grace. You feel like, like you are forgiven and it feels real and you feel the power in the room and you feel the power going with you through the week and you start to really think, you know what, I, I, I really am different. I'm a Christian now and Christians do these things and don't do these things and Christians act this way and don't act this way and you start to have these expectations but what I see so often happen is your expectations aren't formed on what the scripture actually says. Your expectations are formed on a small little experience and what happens is people start to follow Jesus and they think that Instantly, now that I'm a Jesus follower, my character just changed. And all of a sudden, I'm a new creation. The Bible says I'm a new creation. And so now that means that I'm going to be totally different. And for a while, it really does feel like you're different because you're just swimming in grace. The, the grace of God of forgiveness is flowing through you. And so you're, you're not doing some things that you used to do. And some of those habits that you're really struggling with aren't as difficult at the moment. But then you find after a while, you get going. And all of a sudden, those things that you thought were going to be easy become hard again. And that this walk seems like it's not as simple as I thought it would be. I mean, so often, so many people leave the faith because they had this expectation that all of a sudden, if I follow Jesus, there's not going to be any more trouble and trial in my life, and I'm going to be a great person from here on out. 
And I know it's funny and we chuckle at that, but I think there's a subtle mindset that happens in so many people where they have this kind of expectation that, okay, I'm a Christian now, so I'm not gonna do those things anymore. And I'm a Christian now, and Jesus, like it says in 2 Corinthians, that I go in triumphal procession, and he prepares a way for me, and he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, and he leads me in still, by still waters and green pastures. You know that part? And we, we, we form this expectation that I'm not gonna go through anything. It's not gonna be hard. There's not gonna be any struggle. And so many people leave the faith and they fall off the map because they find that in this walk following Jesus, there are times where it's heavy and tense and there's a struggle and there's weight associated with it. And I wanna help form your expectations on, the, on this idea of that there is struggle and there is a wrestling match and there is tension and there are burdens associated with following Jesus, but it's different than it is if you don't have them. And I want you to understand this today as some of you especially get off uh, following Jesus Jesus, maybe for the first time, of how this is going to work itself out in your life. I think this is going to be helpful. This is something I wish I'd understood a lot earlier in my walk with Jesus about how this all works. You've heard the, you've heard the term, the struggle is real. You've heard that? I want to use this for a title. The struggle is required. The struggle is required. That's the title of my talk today, and I want to address the ongoing battles that we face as we follow Jesus. And in fact, some of you might even be able to testify, uh, it was actually easier before I followed Jesus. And now I'm following Jesus and all of a sudden there are things that are complicated that weren't complicated before and there are things that are, 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 are tough decisions for me and there, there are weights now on me that weren't there before. And I want you to understand why that is and how that all works today. The struggle is required. And to do that, I want to look at Philippians 2. We just read it. And, and Paul is writing to a real group of Christians in a real time in a city called Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony, this big urban epicenter in the first century. And Paul, the apostle, had planted the church there and he left them there as these baby Christians. Now picture this. Imagine, imagine like this new way, this new way of thinking, way of life, this new religion just shows up out of nowhere. Paul shows up in this town, turns it on its head with this gospel and now there are hundreds of believers and then Paul says, okay, uh, do your best, Follow Jesus, I gotta go plant another church. Uh, you, you look like you, you're in charge and you, you guys just follow Jesus. That's, that's essentially what happened. They didn't have 2,000 years of church history and Bible teaching and all this education and stuff that we have and we take for granted, like that we have systems to how to develop and disciple people. This was brand new for them and so Paul leaves them and he can't get back to them because his, his journey just didn't allow it. Now he's in prison. And so he writes to them on how they're going to have to take their next steps and what this is going to be after they believe. This is about after they believe. This isn't about before they believe. It's about after they believe. And he says, look what he says, verse 12. Are you, are you awake and with me? Help me. Let me know. Okay. Yeah. I just want to know you're, you're paying attention. This is super, super important. Watch this. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed. Now he's talking about lifestyle here. He's talking about your activities. He's talking about who you are and how you operate and live and move in the world. He says, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. So it was easy to obey when it was all fresh and new. It was easy to walk the walk when it was all fresh and new and I showed up and we preached the gospel and you believe for the first time, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It was easy, but now that I'm in my absence, this gets much, now that I'm not here, now that you're, you've done this a while, this gets much more important. Watch this. He says, continue to work out 
your salvation with fear and trembling. So he's saying there's something for you to do after you believe. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Then he goes on and he says, you know, don't, don't grumble or complain so that you'll become blameless and pure. God's trying to develop you. But he says you're going to need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is one of the most misunderstood, mispreached, misquoted passage of scripture in the whole Bible. And I actually grew up believing what Paul was saying here is that in order to know that you're really saved, you need to do a lot of hard work and you need to make sure you're a really good person and you got to do things that Christians do and don't do the things that Christians don't do. And, you know, don't, don't, don't drink or smoke or chew or go with girls who do. And that's, that's, that'll keep you on the straight and narrow, right? Like that's, and I believed that this was, was speaking to you never really know if you're saved. So you need to make sure that you live a certain way so that you can know that you're saved. Has anybody ever interpreted it that way? And what it does is it breeds insecurity. And it breeds legalism. And it breeds, it breeds this kind of earning mentality where I'm going to earn the right to call myself saved. That's really what that kind of conjures up in your mind. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? Like, isn't that what that makes you think? But that is actually not what he gets at. That's not what he's saying at all, because he says it right in there. He says, work out your salvation. So he's implying what? You already have it. So salvation is something that God has already done for you. Jesus already did the work of salvation. Did you know that? That's what he did on the cross. So salvation is something that you already have. So he's not talking about, are you saved? Get this. He's talking about how we are transformed. And there's a difference between being saved by grace and being changed by grace. And the same grace that saves you and has the power to forgive you also has the power to transform you, but there is a different process. It's still the process of faith and belief, but you're gonna have to actually activate some things. And he says, it's going to be like a workout. It's actually going to take some effort. Now, again, this isn't about earning salvation. I want to pump the brakes on this 20 times because someone's going to leave here and say, okay, this week, going to be a really good person. So I know when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. I, I've lived with that paranoia. I grew up in church, and every time the pastor did an invitation, I raised my hand just in case. <laughs> right? I don't want to go to hell. Anybody laughing at me, you did it too. I got saved like 400 times by the time I was 16. Some of you do it. I do an invitation and I know so-and-so is going to raise their hand just to make sure. You don't have to do that. It's one and done, man. Like you just put your faith in Jesus, you're good, all right? You're going to go to heaven. But this isn't about going to heaven. What Paul's talking about is getting heaven in you. He's talking about actually working out this salvation that Jesus died for and deposited in you. But if you're going to actually see it come out, it's going to be a bit of a workout. Now, this, this confronts a huge, huge mindset and what I want to call a myth in Christianity. And the, the, the myth is this, that if I am struggling, if I'm finding it challenging, then somehow I am dis, my faith is disqualified. That if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't be struggling in that area. Has anybody ever had that, that mentality? Maybe for yourself? Let's be real. Maybe on someone else? Obviously, she's not a Christian. I saw her at the bar last night. She was doing this and like, <laughs> right? Freaking judgmental. Yeah, you know? 
We do that to each other, and you've had it done to you if you're around church long enough, that we're looking at each other through this lens it's that, 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 you know, if I'm struggling, then all of a sudden my faith is obviously disqualified. If this is difficult for me, then it means this, I'm not a legitimate Christian. That's the mentality. Like, you know, I, I hear in the scripture, Jesus says, don't worry, uh, you know, cast your cares upon me. If I was a good Christian, I wouldn't be worrying, but I've been casting and casting and casting all my worries on him and I'm still freaking out. Anybody? And then you have this mentality, maybe there's something wrong with me. Because if I was really a good Christian, good Christians don't worry about stuff. They just walk right through the valley of the shadow of death and they will fear no evil, right? Like, and, or maybe it's like, it's, 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 it's a, some addiction. You're like, you know, Jesus, we just, we, just, we just sung, sing, sung. We just sang that Jesus, where he is, chains have to break. And I believe that and yet I still can't stop hitting the bottle. And if I was really a Christian, that wouldn't be that because I have the chain breakers in me. So why is that chain still pulling on me? And we get this kind of this, this, this line of thinking that says, if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't be struggling. If I was really a Christian, it wouldn't be so hard to not do that. If I was really a Christian, I would have more courage. If I was really a Christian, I'd be more bold at work and I'd tell the person next to me about Jesus like the pastor says I should. If I was really a Christian, I'd be bold about this. And we, we have this kind of line of thinking that says, that says if it's a struggle for me, then I'm disqualified, that my faith is disqualified. But Paul actually says the very opposite. Did you notice that? He says, no, no, it's gonna be a workout. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be weight to it, and it's going to, it's going to be a challenge. But he says, you know, the, the struggle does not disqualify your faith. In fact, it's the very thing that signifies it. The fact that you're, you're working at it, the fact that you even care, he says, it actually signifies that you have faith. The struggle says, hey, I'm actually in the fight. Look, there are things that you used to do naturally and easily that now you're struggling with. That means there's something in you. Like it used to be easy for you to just, just hit the bottle hard and you didn't think about it at all. No problem. I'm going home, I'm gonna flip on the game and get hammed, right? And now you're like, you know what? The pastor preached on substances and he said like the Bible says, don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm really struggling with this. I know God has better for me and you're fighting. It actually means that you're in the fight. You care. He's deposited something in you. There's a voice speaking to you saying, no, I got better for you. Come on, one more. You can go a little farther. You can, let's, let's work this out. You can lift more. You can do more. He's actually calling you to more. That's what Paul is getting at. He's saying, look, the struggle isn't what disqualifies you. It's the thing that actually signifies the fact that you're in the game. You're actually in the fight. You actually have faith. That's what faith is. Did you know that? It's the evidence of things unseen. You're actually doing it. Now, now again, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a license to fail. I'm just saying if you're finding yourself in new arenas where I'm working this thing out and I, I feel pulled this way and I feel pulled that way and I feel tension on me and I feel weight on me and I feel burdened sometimes and you know I'm trying to be courageous. I'm trying to cast my cares, but I feel weak. If, you, if you're feeling the struggle, it actually signifies that God's pulling you forward. Be encouraged. It means God's actually doing something 
in your life. It says that you're actually in the fight. The struggle signifies you're in the fight. The, 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 if, you're, if you find yourself exerting some effort as you follow Jesus, welcome. You're in. It's happening. One of my favorite theologians, a guy named Dallas Willard, said it like this. He said, you know, grace, grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. It's not opposed to effort. It's not opposed to work. Paul says, it's going to be a workout. It's going to be a workout. How many of you know, um, like, you, you can have a gym membership and not be in shape? I've had one of these a lot longer than I've used it. Let me just say that, right? You can actually go to the, you can actually go to the gym. I see it all the time, every day, and it have no effect on you at all. You actually have to do something when you go there, right? You got to work it. You actually have to work it. And, and it's the same with your faith. It's the same God who designed your body, designed your character, designed your soul, designed your spirit, designed your mind. How many of you know it's probably going to take some resistance training, it's actually going to take some training. You've got to get in there and work it. And some of you are just, you have to learn something. That, that, that faith is, the faith that's not worked is not faith at all. This is what James was saying. That faith has, it, there's work. There's, there's weight associated with it. Some of you are like, this, is, this, is, uh, this isn't like a super fun message, Pastor. No, I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. It's, Jesus never said it would be easy. He said his yoke is easy. His burden is light. As you follow him, he gives you the strength to do it. And we'll talk about that. But let me tell you something, that, that Jesus buys your entry into the good life by his blood, amen, right? <laughs> he really does. I mean, Jesus on the cross, literally, the Bible says in Colossians that he has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He's given you an inheritance that will never rot, spoil, or fade. He's absolutely bought you and brought you into sonship in the kingdom of God. Like, he literally has bought you access into the things of the kingdom. You really are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, but God is now trying to get new creation in you. He's actually trying to build you up and change and transform you. So if you are finding yourself in the struggle, don't be discouraged by that. Realize that God is actually allowing it and it actually signifies that you're in the fight. And I'll say this too. If you're finding yourself in the struggle, realize you're in good company. Everybody around you is too. And let's just not be that church that pretends to all have it together. Can we just do that, okay? If you want to go to a church where we're going to pretend like none of us have issues, you're going to have to find a new pastor, all right? Like, there are things we're working on. And I, I used to sing a song back in Sunday school that means more to me now than ever it is. He's still working on me. Remember that one? He is. And he's going to be until the day I see him face to face. God is working on us. He's, he's transforming us. You're in good company if you find their struggle. Paul, read Romans 7. When you go home, here's a real fun one. Read Romans 7. And Paul's like, what a wretched man I am. Read it. It's crazy. It's in the Bible. He says, I'm doing the things I don't want to do. I'm struggling not to do the things I don't want to do. I'm struggling to do the things I should do. Wretched man that I am. He's in the fight. Or in his mind. He's like, why did Paul say, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ? Because if, he, if someone has to take something captive, it means something's running wild in his mind, doesn't it? 
fear and discouragement, whatever it was, running wild in his mind, he says, I've had to learn how to chase that sucker down, wrap him up, tie him down, and hold him by force under the power of Jesus. Like, you actually have to do that. It sounds like work, doesn't it? Yeah, it's because it is. If it came easily and naturally, Paul would say something different, but it doesn't. The struggle shows it signifies, it signifies our faith. You actually have faith. Welcome into the family of faith. Let me say this. Let's keep going. Are you with me? I wish I had, who's taking all my time? <laughs> Philippians 2, look, look at verse, look at, so, so it says in verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So this isn't about insecurity. This is not about insecurity. It's about integrity. Integrity means strength. Integrity, the word integrity comes from the, like the, the, the root word integer, where, where there are different compartments. And integrity, to have integrity is that the, the parts, the parts are strong because if there's one weak part in, in a structure, you, the structure is only as strong as the weak part. So to have integrity is to be whole, it's to be strong, it's to be fit, it's to be full. So he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God, here it is, I want you to see this, verse 13. For it is God who works, say it, in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So God is working in you. If you're writing notes, write this down. So number one was the struggle tells me I'm in the fight. Number two, the struggle is what breaks the old you down so God can build the new you up. That, that if, you're, if you're finding there's tension, if you're finding resistance, if you're finding weight in your life, God is putting that weight on you and he's utilizing it to break down the old you and build up a new you. Now, I know, I know some of you, like, you just gloss over when someone starts talking about fitness. You're like, please, give me Cheetos, right? You're like, you don't even want to hear about it. But, but literally, like, how God's designed your body. When, when we talk about exercise, um, if you're going to lose fat, uh, it would be amazing if you could brush fat. Wouldn't it be? Like, I'm just going to brush my love handles off, just whoosh. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, I heard an amen. Yes. That'd be awesome. No work required. But that's not how you get rid of fat. You don't brush fat. You what? You burn it. Yeah. Right? You burn fat. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you build muscle? You, you literally put tension and burden on the muscle, and it tears the muscle so that the stuff that God put in your body to do, it actually does. It actually rebuilds the muscle stronger and bigger than it was before. It's science. It's awesome. <laughs> like, God actually made your body to work that way. And, and here's the thing. When God trains and builds your life, he does not use barbells and dumbbells. He uses cir circumstances and scenarios in your life. And he tries to build you up. He'll, 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 put, he'll put the weights to you. And he will, he will actually put weight on you so that he can build you up. And so Brent, today, we're going to work on your patience. And you know what? Last week, you got six reps of patience. You did good. You got six. And this week, you're going to get eight. God will, will actually bring you into a season where he's what? He's not giving you patience. This is the thing. A lot of the time we pray, God, give me patience. He's saying, all right, let's work it. And then the most annoying person in the world will show up in front of you. <laughs> right? That's what he's doing. Careful what you pray for. It's like, God, give me courage. 
Give me faith. And, and the way he gives it, here's the thing. This is the most amazing part. Is, is, it's too heavy for me. He'll put it in you. Like, like he puts that stuff in you. And as you work it out, what's Paul says is, he says, as you work out your salvation, God works in you. And so the power of God starts to express itself in your life as you work it out. It's this beautiful thing. Your, your body's no different than your character. God actually trains and builds your character. And sometimes it's crazy. Some, some weeks it honestly feels like you're already at 20 reps. Like I felt like that this week. Like I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do. I don't know how I'm gonna get it done. I don't know like, how I'm gonna do things well. I'm in one of those weeks where I just feel like, golly, I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. It's like, it's like God stacks more weight on. He's like, you know what? We're gonna lift heavy this week. And uh, we're, I'm going to actually grow your capacity to get more done than you ever thought. And I'm going to help you do it. But we're going to do this together. It's like God's a trainer. It's like he knows exactly what I can do. And he will bring you. He will bring you right to the point of failure. Do you know that? Like, if, if, you've ever, if you've ever worked out, like, it's usually those, like, last. I'm sorry for those of you who are like, just stop talking about fitness. It's usually, like, those last one or two reps that actually does the most, the most work. It's like when you push just a little farther than you thought you could go, and that's what God does. He pushes you just to your limits. Now here's the amazing thing. The Bible says that God leads us so well. He'll never break you. He's not in this to break you. He's in it to build you. And he'll never bring you to something that he won't power you through, ever. He is the perfect father. He is the perfect trainer. He knows how to build you. He's the master builder. This is what it's talking about in, uh, in 1 Corinthians where, where it says, you know, no, no temptation has come to you except what is common to mankind. It says that the word temptation, it's not just about enticement. When you read the word temptation, like in the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not to temptation. It's not about enticement. It's the Greek word that talks about testing. It's about weight. It's about struggle. And the Bible says, no temptation will come to you except what is common to mankind. It says, and God says, God will not let you be tested and not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So here's the good news. If you're in a week like me where you're like, this is more weight than I think I can do. God who knows you, who designed your frame, he knows you, he knows. If you are in it right now, he thinks you can get through it with his help. Shouldn't that encourage us a little bit? Say, wow, he knows me better than I know myself. And if, if I'm in this, then he thinks I can do it. And here's the thing I've found in my life where my strength ends. I can do this, by the way. Just so you know. Just so you know. <laughs> where, 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 my, where my strength ends, his grace begins. This is what Paul meant. Or he says, like, I prayed three times that God would take this away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I will meet you at your point of weakness. He absolutely doesn't. And I've seen this in my life. This is how God trains us. So some of you, you're going through a season right now. You're like, you know what? I was doing awesome. I was cranking out like, like 20 reps of trust. I started tithing. It's amazing. Lightweight, baby. Right? Like Ronnie Coleman. Anyway. <laughs> don't, don't. Yeah, buddy. Anyway, so, uh, but I'm, I'm trusting, I'm tithing, it's going awesome, and I'm at church every week, and I'm managing my time before God, it's just lightweight, and then all of a sudden, my car breaks down, 
I got a back pay, I got, I got a bill from CRA that said I did my taxes wrong, and all of a sudden now I'm like cranking out massive trust in God. Has anybody ever found that? Here's the good news. God knows what you can go through, and he's building you. And he's building something amazing, and he's growing your capacity. I've seen that in my life. I've seen it. Look, there are things that I used to find very heavy and very difficult and very hard. Used to crush me, but now it's not, it's not as heavy for me. Honestly, I look back even 15 years ago, 10 years ago, like when I, when I was first getting into ministry, 14 years ago. Wow, time flies. Um, and like the, uh, the crushing weight of my life, I had no kids I had a pretty simple workload here. I was sheltered, like, but that was heavy for me at the time. That's why you should never, ever like, condescend on a child or a middle schooler or someone who's feeling the weight and pressures because that's what they can handle. But here's the thing I've seen God do in my life. I've seen him grow my strength and my capacity by his grace as I've stayed in this and keep walking and keep moving forward day by day by day. And there are things that I used to struggle with that aren't a struggle for me now. There are things that I used to be enticed and tempted by that I'm not tempted by anymore. Now I have new, new, new battles. And I'll tell you what, new levels, new devils. And as God takes you up and the blessing gets bigger, here's, here's something you need to know and you need to know this up front if you're following Jesus. As the blessing in your life gets bigger, the burden of the blessing gets bigger. Super easy to look at someone and say, oh, look at their life. Look at, look at how God's done this. I'll tell you what, there's a burden that comes with every blessing. There's weight. Some of you can't handle the next blessing yet. God's actually building you to where you can hold it. This is how God works. So I want to encourage somebody today. Like if you're finding, finding there's some tension, God is building you. If God's taking you through a situation that has tested your patience, he's building your patience. If he's testing your trust, he's building your trust. He's doing that. As you walk it out and work it out, he is working it in you. It's an incredible thing. That's what God does. He, he builds you and grows you. Let me read this to you. I'm going to be done in a second. Hebrews 12, look at how this, this, is, this says it. Hebrews 12 says, in your struggle, in your struggle against sin. What's, what's sin? Sin isn't just temptation in to, to do something wrong. It's the things that, not just the things that are in us, it's how we deal with the things that are coming at us. Listen, Jesus never said you would be exempt from trouble in this world. In fact, he promised that he said, in this world, you will have trouble. He said, it's coming. But then what's he say? He says, fear not, I got you. I've overcome the world, so there's nothing too heavy for me, and I'm going to be there with you the whole way. In this world, you have trouble. So in your struggle against sin, you have not, there's another word, resisted to the point of shedding your blood. He's like, you're still alive, relax. And you have completely, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he, say it, he loves you. That's incredible. He chastens everyone he accepts as his son or daughter. Ensure, endure hardship as discipline. That's a crucial. I wish I had time to preach that. When you are under hardship, the Christian has to say, God's allowing this. The Father's allowing this, and he's doing something good out of this. God is not a taker. He's a giver. And so he's doing something in this. He says, endure it as discipline, that God is doing something. This is what I want to help so many of you when you get in this journey following Jesus. A lot of people don't know to endure hardship as discipline. They think that something is wrong if there's hardship. 
I'm not a real Christian. I wouldn't be going through this. I'm not a real Christian. I wouldn't be struggling with this. Not according to the Bible. It says, endure hardship as discipline. He says, if you're not disciplined, verse 8, if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You're not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us for our good in order, or disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and say it? Live. This is so that you will find life. Life to the full. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's not fun. It's not fun, but painful. Later on, however, it produces. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been, say it. There it is in the Bible, the original good life right there. We've got training, we've got resistance, we've got struggle. It's there, yeah. So it says what? Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths. Get your, get your footing. Make level paths for your feet so that you may not be, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather heal. God is bringing about healing. The struggle is how God breaks down the old you and builds up the new year. And let me just say this in closing here. A band can come back. I'm going to pray for us, but I want you to understand this. Uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. The struggle will bring out the glory that Jesus put in you. Look, God, don't, God not only loves you, but God desires that your life will be a testament to his greatness. He actually, you will radiate the glory and greatness of God. That's God's design on your life, that, that when he is done with you, you will be so exemplary, such a standout that your, your life will pop so much that, that it will say, wow, look at her. God must be amazing. Look what God did in her. Look what God did through her. Look what God did through him. This is what Paul said at the end. Look, look, bring it back up, Philippians 2. It says at the very end, I think it's verse 16. says, you will shine like what? Like stars. You're going to shine like a star. You, you, God is going to create glory in you. This is what Paul was getting at when he said, we are being transformed from glory to ever increasing glory. So let me just prophesy to you for a minute. You as you are right now, there is a version of you. If you give God enough time, there is a version of you that is so glorious and so magnificent that you wouldn't even believe it right now. Uh, there's, in, in one of his books, C.S. Lewis says, uh, if, if you could see the, the eternal you, you know, if given enough time in eternity, like if God can do this in one year, some of you are so different, even after one year of following Jesus, imagine what God can do in 10 years. Imagine the transformation God can bring to your life in 20 years or in 30 years. Imagine what you'll be like. Imagine your character. Imagine your capacity. Imagine your mindset. Imagine your anointing. Imagine what that's like in 40 years. And C.S. Lewis, he, he, he says, let's, let's take that to the extreme. If we're really going to live forever with God, what will we be like in 500 years? What will you be like in 5,000 years of having God Almighty, the glorious, uncreated one who created you, work out his will in your life? What will you be like? 
He goes on to say, if you could see that version of you, you would be, te- you, you would be tempted to bow down and worship it because it'll be that splendid. That's what God's doing in your life. Like, so be encouraged today. God is building a new person. That's what he's doing. Yes, in Christ, you are a new person. You literally are, but now that new person has got to come out. And God is building you up and creating this glorious, incredible, amazing, admirable person that shines like stars. That's what he's doing. But I'll tell you what, it, it, it takes some work. Galatians tells us, don't give up. At the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. Here's how we do it. Let me, re- let me leave us with this. Stand to your feet, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. We're, we're going to just speak some life over ourselves. But here's, here's the secret, okay? I, I've been caring about trying to stay somewhat healthy for the last couple of years. And sometimes you just need inspiration. Sometimes you can't envision yourself being what you want to be. So sometimes you got to look to someone else. Sometimes you got to flip on YouTube and see someone who's doing it really well to make, to motivate you. Or maybe you ever been around somebody who's like, who's really proficient at something. It makes you want to be better. It calls you forward. And here's the secret of our success. The secret is keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's the secret. Hebrews 12, look what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to, of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Here's how you do it. You do it by keeping our eyes on, say his name, on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He is the standard and he is the substance. He is the goal and he is the means. And he is the end and he is the means. That's who he is. It's all about him. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people and then you won't become weary and give up. Jesus Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. He's the life. Let me just do this. I really wanted to encourage some, some people today. So I want you to do this. We're, we're going to prophesy to one another. What's prophesy? It's to speak what God is saying. It's to put God's word on your lips. So I want to do this. I want you to turn to a person next to you. For real. Yep, yep, yep. Do it. Go ahead. Online. Do it to someone in the kitchen. All right. I want you to look to that person, and we're going to speak some life into one. So I want you to say this out loud. Don't you quit. Come on. You're in this. You're on the right track. You're doing better than you think you are. You're closer than you think you are. You've come farther than you think you have. The struggle says it's working. You're changing. You're not going to quit. Your best days are still in front of you. Say it like you mean it. Speak it to them. And he who began a good work in you, point at them, is going to bring it to completion. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, hey, we're going to do it to ourselves. The Bible actually says speak to yourself sometimes. Not like, like you have split personality. Your soul can hear you. That's what Paul says. He says, my soul, you will magnify the Lord. Right? Like he commands your soul. So I want you to speak to yourself right now. Put your hand over your heart and just say, I'm in this. I'm on the right track. I'm doing better than I think I am. I'm closer than I think I am. The struggle says it's working. He's changing me. I'm not quitting. 
My best days are yet to come. And he who began a good work in me is going to finish it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe it, give him some praise. Come on. We're going, to, uh, we're going to close off our service today in fine style. We are going to celebrate baptism. And this is an outward picture of an inward decision. It's a picture of the gospel playing out in someone's life. And so as everyone goes into the tank as we celebrate today, I want you to celebrate with them. This is why we do what we do. And this is the power of life when we see the testimony. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I want to just plant that seed again. If you haven't been baptized, you need to do it. You need to get baptized. Do it today. We got towels for you, and it's probably going to be raining when you leave anyway, so you might as well go home wet. All right? For real, though. For real. Some of you, some of you are trying, trying to white knuckle every time you're here. Like, I will not be baptized. I will not be baptized. Right? You got a long road ahead of you. We're going to do this like every two or four months for the rest of your life. So you might as well walk down the aisle. Stop being. I, I have a relative that's been engaged for like 12 years, and we're like, you're not going to do it. We already know you're not going to do it. So, and that, that's a problem in your faith. If you, if, you, if you can't acknowledge before God, Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my father. I love you enough to tell you, you need to get baptized. You need to go on record. So let's celebrate today. Let's tear the roof off this place. And let's just love what God is doing in our brothers and sisters that they get baptized. Let's sing.